Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Equal Play. This week, we're sitting down with the sky's rookie sensation, the player everyone loves to talk about, and general manager and coach James Wade says we'll be on everyone's scouting report for years to come, Rebecca Gardner. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Of course. So your story is so unique. I want to start from the very, very beginning. What was your relationship to sport and basketball growing up? Um, well, actually, uh, when I was like, I actually started when I was eight years old and my mom put me in basketball uh, because the WNBA started. So it was like <clears throat> this new league coming up and um, like she was all excited. So she put me in and then uh, I just happened to fall in love with it actually. Yeah, did your mom play basketball at all, like, in her youth? She didn't, but my dad played when, like, growing up in high school and college and stuff, so she figured that to put me in something that my dad could help me with. And what was that memory like when the league, when the W was started and you got to share that moment with your mom of her kind of um, putting this dream on you a little bit, so to speak? You know... I feel like I didn't even know at that time, but um, as I kept playing like throughout the years, it was just like something that I grew to love and it was just kind of like, I didn't want to stop doing it. And then I'd say, I would say about, I would say about elementary school, maybe sixth, seventh grade. I was like, okay, maybe I can go somewhere with this. (laughs) (laughs) maybe I could go somewhere with this so what was your first memory then of the WNBA beyond just your mom saying okay this league just started let's get you into you know some youth leagues um so I would say definitely I remember like going into the stores and I I believe it was like Cheryl Swoops who had her own pair of basketball shoes and then yeah I remember I also loved um, Rebecca Lobo because we had the same name. I would be like, <laughs> just because we had the same name, yeah. But, um, and then of course, like Lisa Leslie. Um, and then I remember even, I would always go to LA Sparks games growing up too. And I think just, you know, having those role models and being able to look up to them uh, kind of kept me interested in the game and, uh interested in like continue playing throughout the years 
Yeah. So fast forward, you end up at UCLA. Can you describe what your recruiting process was like and, and what that that journey was like and how you came to the decision to go to UCLA? So just like I grew up going to Sparks games, my dad also always took me to UCLA games. And um, I got re- recruited by quite a few schools, but, uh, you know, UCLA was our local, uh, like, it was our local, you know, big time school. And I, some other players or yeah, some other players I would like look up for look up to would be like uh like Noe, you know, she's the coach of Seattle Storm now. Uh-huh. But um but I just remember always going to the games and uh like one day I got a letter from them and the first day I got a letter from them, I was like, okay, I'm going there. I didn't take any other recruiting business or anything like that. It was just like automatic. Yes. <laughs> so your four years at US, UCLA, how do you feel like they not only prepared you for your career overseas and ultimately the WNBA, but in life? Well, yeah. So actually I have a unique college experience because I kind of had like three different coaches. So I was recruited by one coach Um, And then I had um, Mickey Caldwell for three years and then I had Coach Corey for one year. So I actually think from each one of them, I learned something different. And um, I feel like everything I learned from them, each from each one kind of in some prepared me for the next level. So. um, So, yeah, like I know from Coach Nikki, she was tough on us, but uh, she had a real focus on defense. And I know a lot of people talk about uh, like my defensive intens- intensity now. And I, I really think part of it came from her because like our defense, uh, it was a big emphasis. So uh, <laughs> like I can definitely give her credit for that for sure. And then, um, and then for also with coach Corey, she was, big on character and like doing the right thing and stuff like that so like off the court like I feel like she was really intentional about um just what kind of like people we were like that was just as important as like you know off the court so uh I think just in general overall kind of like I said all the coaches kind of attributed to everything after And then personally, I wonder if you could speak to the way each of these coaches instilled something different in you and your game, but how that translates off the court in the sense of, you know, who we are as human beings being a sum of multiple things and not just, you know, being really good at this one thing or that one thing, but really the sum of a bunch of things. Yeah, I think like basketball and sports in general, like uh, you have to learn how to um, interact and deal with different type of people and you come across different challenges. And I feel like that just relates to life outside the court, too. So it's kind of like although they're like on court experiences, Mm -hmm. um, like it directly translates to to off the court, like in real life, you're going to come come across challenges or you're going to have like a bad day on the court or like maybe an off shooting night. But the next day you have to bounce back and like think it's a new day, new process. 
So I would just say, like, it just directly translates. You might be having a bad day in real life, and then you have to wake up the next day and just think, like, it's a new day, new chance to be better. So it's definitely a direct correlation. Do you feel like that's something that's come naturally to you, or have you had to work at having that mentality? Uh, Definitely. I think it's something you have to work on. Uh, I feel like with different experiences throughout the years you you uh or I've learned how to respond better to certain things or even to challenge uh like to different challenges like uh maybe if I wasn't doing something well on the court or something one day I would have to like go work at it and just trust that my work kind of would pay off and like believe believe that that would pay off so it's kind of just like, I would say definitely it's a process, but over the years and with the different experiences, like you get better and better. And I wouldn't even say I've mastered it yet. I feel like it's like an ever growing process. So um, still like just getting better every day, learning and being open to learning and accepting new challenges every day. Yeah, absolutely. That growth is like something that's so constant. If you ever stop at it, it's it's taking away from a new level that you could reach. So, you know, going back to 2012 and that experience of going undrafted, what were your expectations going into the 2012 WNBA draft? Did you have any for yourself or were you just open to the entire experience? Um. So honestly, I know with the WNBA draft, um, especially your senior year, a lot of it kind of has to do with, or a lot of it, if your team does well in the NCAA tournament, it definitely helps. Right, you know what I mean? right. So um, I think that our team, my senior year, our team didn't do that well. So um, honestly, I wasn't expe- expecting to get drafted, but uh, definitely if if so, if some, a team invited me or anything, I would definitely be open to it. But um, I didn't get drafted, and um, I felt like my goal was then to just go overseas, which is still like a, a great. It has been a great experience, but um, but I don't know. I think that it like it would definitely would have been nice, but uh, and I feel like there were even times where I was a little bit discouraged, but. When I got that opportunity to go overseas, it kind of like renewed that encouragement. Before you went overseas, did you talk to any teammates, coaches, uh, family members about what that next step of your career was going to be like? Or did you just go into it blind? Um, So I had a couple of teammates who like were older than me that had played overseas. So they kind of talked to me about it. And then I had a current teammate whose sister was playing overseas. So uh, it was a little bit, I'm not gonna say it was a little bit scary. And then my first year was in Israel, Israel, and I didn't really know much. Actually, I didn't really know much about overseas at all. So it was a little bit like overwhelming, but um, I'm glad I ended up taking that first step because there was even a time where uh, I w- didn't think I was going to play after college, too. I was just, I was, yeah, I was actually looking to, what? Like, yeah, yeah. 
I I remember that I didn't really know how to get overseas or even to the next the next professional level. Yeah. So I was even looking into just retiring and maybe doing grad school, looking at different options. But I'm glad I did. I kept going. <laughs> Hold up. Can we imagine the sky or the WNBA right now without Rebecca Gardner? I don't think so. So that we got to pause and elaborate on. So coming out of college, you know, conversations I've had with other players who have played predominantly overseas, I guess the steps they laid out to me were that, yeah, first step, you got to find an agent who helps you, uh, you know, find a team to play for, et cetera. So when you went undrafted, were you figuring this out without an agent and, and what were the challenges of, of, yeah, trying to find that first deal in Israel? Yeah. So I didn't have an agent. I remember the final four was coming up and Mm. I had talked to a couple agents but like I said, when I feel like when your team had doesn't do that well in the NCAA tournament, maybe a lot of agents don't know you or they haven't heard of you. So um, I talked to a couple, but I just didn't feel when I talked to the couple that I did. Actually, yeah, I, I just didn't feel that they were the right ones for me. So I was kind of just like. Like I said, looking at other options, like besides basketball. And then um, I ended up running into one agent and he made me really feel at home. And um, and I feel like he made me also feel comfortable about going to Israel and stuff like that. So uh, I I think that I just ran into the right people at the right time because I feel like if I didn't even run into that agent or I didn't have my teammate, one of my teammates, her sister worked with that agent. And if I didn't run into him, I probably wouldn't even be playing. So, um, yeah, it's even when I think about it now, it's like the way things worked out, it's kind of like it's crazy how it worked. out. (laughs) Dude, This is why I love these interviews, because so many of us have this moment of like being in the right place at the right time, no matter what industry you work in, no matter what you do, it could be in your personal life. It could be in your professional life, but just hearing you explain that, you know, two things really stand out to me is, is one, that timing point that you made, but also the trust you had to have in yourself to one, know that, just because an agent is hitting you up or just because you're communicating with an agent doesn't necessarily mean they're the right one for you. And also trust in yourself to, to go overseas, to not retire uh, prematurely. So where did that develop trust come from? Do you think you were aware that you had that level of trust in yourself at the time or, or was it something that you know, was subconscious and, and has developed over time since then? Um, I just think like when you talk to people, you know, like I said, my agent, he made me feel really comfortable. And um, even my teammates, she, who had played in Israel too, like they kind of talked to me and I feel like um, from my, from what I was hearing, it seemed like good situation, good environment, especially to transition over for the first year. I, um, Israel's actually like a, it's very Americanized. So I feel like once I got 
um those like I kind of got an understanding of how it would be there that mm-hmm. I was willing to take that first step and then once I took that first step it was like I, I was good from there like <laughs> so, so um yeah I think it sometimes you just have to take risks and um I'm glad I ended up taking that risk and uh even now like I I'm very like comfortable and certain like I'm very like comfortable and cons- like with familiar being familiar with things but like that just, when that that situation happened it just showed me like sometimes you have to like step out of your comfort zone a little bit mm-hmm. and and definitely it can be worth it and then the the whole right timing of it all running into the agent at the right time and and even ending up in Israel versus maybe ending up somewhere else overseas that maybe could have changed your perspective on on what your future held do you think that that being on the right path being close to to your passion helps play into the right timing i um i would definitely say yes like um if you're doing what you love i just if you're doing what you love i just feel like um you'll you can like by default end up at the right place at the right time or like certain experiences or certain um certain opportunities will come about so um and unexpectedly too because you're so focused on doing what you love then like things come along around along the way so Mm -hmm. I would definitely say for sure what did playing overseas for the last 10 years teach you about yourself and also in the game of basketball that had you gotten drafted right away you maybe would have missed the lesson yeah well first of all the way that I got here definitely I would say makes me more appreciative of it Mm -hmm. and um and even like I would say the way that I got here also taught me patience and um to remain optimistic and um I think that if I would have just walked right into it maybe I I wouldn't have learned that patience I wouldn't have learned uh to be like to be as appreciative of it so um so yeah, I'd say like even if I had to go back and if I had if I had to go back, I would still do it. I would still have it happen the same way because it just makes me so much more appreciative and I feel like I've even had like friends call and tell me who are playing overseas that like I'm kind of like inspiring them to like keep going and um so I feel like that it kind of like makes me happy when people tell me that cuz I feel like um, I would have liked to, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional, but I would have liked to have someone to like look up to when I was in my younger years. So yeah, definitely. I appreciate the way that it happened. Dude, you're honestly going to make me cry. Cause like, <laughs> even in, even in my career, like there were so many people you look at and you think, oh, they're doing it this way. So, and they've reached success this way. And so if I want to reach success, I maybe have to do it the same way. And you could sometimes get caught up in trying to be like somebody else instead of trying to be the best version of yourself. And 
like you said, this opportunity overseas presented all kinds of challenges that that showed you who you were that, you know, playing in the WNBA maybe couldn't have. And now you have a whole new group of, of players that look to you as an example and, you know, an example of what's possible. So that's that's really that's really special. Yeah. Um, but sure. this team, this Chicago Sky team has a lot of experience playing overseas and you and Kalia the other day were talking about playing together in Turkey. So yeah. who else on the sky have you played with overseas? And how do you feel like those opportunities not only, you know, obviously help you guys presently on the court, but just in terms of bonds developed off the court is beneficial as well? Yeah, um, I think Kaz the only person that I've played with, but I think like you said, a lot of the girls have played in Europe before. So uh-huh. it's like we have like so much in common to talk about, like um, just like playing EuroLeague and just playing in, Euro- in Europe in general. Like when I first came, it was like we instantly had something in common because I felt like that overseas experience, like you can, we all relate to that. And um, it's something that I feel like it's something that kind of like bonds us and like even uh I feel like I don't know a lot of, a, a lot about a lot about the other teams but um I almost feel like our whole team is like a European team you know what I mean so it's kind of cool <laughs> can you compare EuroLeague to the WNBA and I know everyone always talks about how different the styles of play is but just the level of competition and game days and meeting these ultimate competitors that you see in the WNBA, but every, every game in EuroLeague as well. Yeah. So I think both are great leagues. I think that um, they're definitely different. Uh, Definitely like the, the three second rule in the WNBA changes a lot of things because that paint is so wide open. (laughs) But, um, but uh I think that maybe WNBA might be a little bit uh, faster in terms of like up and down, but then like yearly uh, it's, I feel like because of like the three second rule and things like that, um, it's a lot lot more team basketball, but um, I feel like it also has to do with the players. Like in the WNBA, there's a lot of athletic players and then, um, um, athletic and smart players and I know overseas there's a lot of like I had so many smart players so the game is just a little bit different but um, and then even like game days I would say like what surprised me here is like for example like in Europe we'll all do the team warm-up together um, maybe you can get there like an hour and a half before the game here you get here like a little, little bit earlier and everyone gets their own time um for shooting and things like that but um I think that it's also different you know what else is different is here I mean both Europe and um and here I play with great players but here uh with playing with players like Candice and Slew and like so many great players uh I feel like uh Sometimes I'm not the main focus, so it makes things a little bit like, <laughs> oh, I can sneak in and get a basket here, you know? <laughs> so, and then uh, I feel like, like, for example, when I was in Girona, 
uh-huh. was like one of the main ones on the scouting report. So right. that also is a big difference too. But um, both are really high level for sure. And yeah. It's it's even it's kind of hard to compare because in both it's just so many great players in both leagues. My goal as a journalist is to convince my the paper, my editor to let me just like transplant myself with a team in EuroLeague for, you know, one season and just cover everything from top to bottom because, you know, we hear so much from you all about your experience in EuroLeague, but it's so hard to get that day-to-day information about how teams are doing, how players are doing. So yeah, that's just a goal of mine. I got to put out into the universe, but, um, talking or sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, I think you should, because like, I feel like it's just as high of a level and like, I don't even know, like if you watch, for example, the EuroLeague uh, Final Four, like the atmosphere and everything, it's, it's like, it's amazing. So like, if you could ever do that, I would definitely say definitely, definitely try to do that. (laughs) I'm I'm about to send my editor an email right now and say, Rebecca Rebecca Gardner approved it. We got to make this happen. Um, But your experience overseas, you know, was a 10 year, encompassed 10 years. In that time, did you ever contemplate, you know, not going back, staying here and quote unquote, retiring, like you kind of mentioned at the yeah. top of this conversation? Um, yes. And actually this past season, I was thinking about it being my last year. And um, yeah. Like you weren't, <laughs> like you, every time, you, like um, you weren't going to go overseas for the 2021 season or you were going to be done after this year? No. So when I was in Spain this year, um, I would, I was thinking about, I was like, this is probably going to be my last year. It's kind of like, I guess kind of because, I mean, I enjoy playing, but it it was a long time for, of me being away from home. Mm -hmm. And then also I feel like last year was my first year playing yearly and I made that goal. And then once I kind of like, didn't see the opportunity of making the WNBA anymore, I was kind of like, okay, I made yearly, which is like a great league. So um, maybe I'll transition into staying home. So, um, but then I would say like once free agency came and I got started getting calls, then that changed quick. (laughs) So how much time separated that thought of this being your final year in Spain from, or final year overseas in general, from, you know, the free agency calls and specifically the call from James or the communication with James, because we know he's, he's talked about popping up at your games and, and, you know, has talked in detail about the significance of that. Yeah, um, I think that I would say I got to Spain after I was there about a month or two, then I I started to think like, OK, I'm ready to be I was I'm you know, I'm already I'm I'm 30 years old so I knew like the time would be coming but I think when I went to Spain and I was like starting to miss home a lot and my family a lot and I mean I love the experience but it it is a long time being away from home so Mm -hmm. I would say probably 
probably like a month or so. Like I got there in August. And then I would say by like October, after it kind of started to cool down, get cold outside, I was like, uh, maybe I, this will be my last year. And then um, so I just kept playing. Like, like I said, I love basketball. So I was like, I'm going to finish this year out strong. But then like free agency came. And then, um, yeah, James called me. He And then even when he called me, I still wasn't for sure about it because I felt like sometimes, you know, it, he was just showing interest, but I didn't, I didn't know if it was like a real opportunity yet. So once I started to realize it was a real opportunity, I was like, okay, I need to like change my mindset and, you know, uh, and, but I mean, anyways, I was still focused and playing well, but I was like, well, maybe I'll play a couple more years. <laughs> We've heard a little bit from James about that conversation and just him him going to your games, yeah. saying, you know, he knew you could be a valuable part of, of this Sky team. What felt different in the communication with James than in previous communication you'd had with WNBA teams about opportunities? What made you feel like this one was legitimate? Um, well, yeah, previously I had been to two different training camps. Right. And... Um, you know, I think when you're young coming out of college, you don't really understand how the process works. And I went to training camps and I feel like maybe in those situations, it wasn't a true opportunity. And, um, I think that with talking to James and having conversations with him, that alone showed me that it was like more of a real opportunity because in the previous uh opportunities that I had I didn't really even talk to the coaches before going but I didn't really know that like how the process works so I thought that that way was normal but now that um I had like a different uh, uh an actual free agency experience I understand now like when coaches are truly interested in you like how the process actually works definitely you know, you mentioned a checklist and playing in EuroLeague and being able to check that off. And, and once you did that, you kind of indulged the idea of, okay, maybe maybe we're nearing the end here. I wonder what else is on your checklist. And have you added a few more things to the checklist since joining the WNBA? Um, or since so signing yeah, actually, in the WNBA, I should say. Yeah, so um, I was actually talking to my mom about this the other day. I was like, my whole goal... Uh, throughout my whole life was to make it to the WNBA so I was like now that I've made it or you know I need to set new goals and I feel like right now what I'm doing is just setting goals like game by game so um I'll if I see I did something or I need to improve something from the last game I'll try to work on it the next game and like step by step and um and also uh, I know like coach James, he wants me to bring the defense. So, uh, so basically like I put a focus on that. Like I try, I do get scored on, but I try not to get scored on. So that's a <laughs> real big goal of mine. And, um, yeah, I know, <laughs> but, uh, there's so many. Becca's like, I know the stats. I know I get scored on from time <laughs> to time. It's fine, but we're working on this, that, and the other. Yeah. So, um, 
So, yeah, I just uh, try, like, uh, again, the defensive goal and then just uh, choosing different things, like, like the game game by game, like what I'm going to focus on. And I think by doing those little things, like the overall sum of things, I'm going to see improvement each, each game and throughout the season. Hearing that answer, I wonder how you balance prioritizing goals for the immediate future and goals for the long-term future? Um, so I would say if you, the way I look at it is by making the daily goals, um, it'll help me reach the long-term goals. So I think you can't, ju- or I just don't, because if sometimes if you look ahead to the long-term goals, it's kind of like a little bit, it can be overwhelming, but if you just, again, like I said, focus day by day or like game by game, like picking different things to improve on. I think by doing that, um, I'll, I'll reach that end goal. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. I think everyone's a little bit different with that point. You know, some people need to remind themselves of that long-term goal every day and it helps them in the immediate, in the immediate, whereas others like yourself, I relate to what you said, you know, focusing on the, the one thing at a time mm-hmm. helps you, you know, reach that long-term goal. Cause yeah, if you get too big picture, it, it can, it can definitely um, mess with your mind a little bit, but you mentioned your family throughout this podcast episode. And I wonder what your mom reaction was your family's reaction was when you signed with the sky what was that call like when when you got to let them know um well my mom she was screaming (laughs) for sure (laughs) but um in my whole family my dad my sister my everyone like even like my cousins I feel like sometimes they're even more happy and more excited for me than I am so um it's nice I it's nice to see them like excited and happy and they're actually gonna get me most of them are gonna see me for the first time playing in LA when we play in a few days so um I'm definitely looking forward to that and finally get because also I've been overseas so that a lot of them haven't seen me play uh professionally so right it'll be the first time maybe since college that a lot of them have seen me play so I'm definitely excited for that (laughs) have your parents been able to see you play in person professionally have they been able to make Um, any trips overseas yeah my mom has but my dad hasn't and my my dad has he was a big part in um in my best in like he coached me when I was younger and stuff stuff like that so um I think it's going to be really special for him to see me uh, this in a few days. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm, I can't even express how happy and excited I am for the L.A. game. We know that this last game of the road trip you guys are on is, is in L.A. And you talked throughout this episode about, yeah, going to games, uh, going to Sparks games and, and just the love you had for, like you said, UCLA. So being back in your in your home area and, and being a professional playing at crypto arena what emotions are you expecting to feel in that moment um honestly I don't I don't know what I'm gonna feel but um like I said uh I first of all I'm just like I feel like the 
what I can say is like I'm very like thankful and and appreciative and I don't know sometimes to me it just seems surreal like sometimes I even think like so I'm like really in the WNBA or I feel like there I'm gonna be like wow I'm really playing against the Sparks in front of my whole family so um so I don't know I just I feel like uh, I just first of all I want to make sure I stay focused on the game and then of course um, of course <laughs> but uh yeah I'm just gonna be excited and like I feel like the the one thing that I'll that one word to describe it would be like joy because I feel like um that's the only word I can even think of that comes close to um describing how it feels or how it's gonna feel to be back in LA in front of my family and playing on such a great team and in the WNBA so um yeah and what what are your tools you use to stay focused in a big time moment like that um well I think even like I would say even like playing in I I think different experiences like uh like this past season, I was in the yearly quarterfinals, and mm-hmm. even when James came to watch me uh, in Spain, the first time I was actually very nervous. <laughs> so, did you know he was coming ahead of time? So, um, we I did, but only like two hours before, and I feel like I I wasn't I didn't meant to have enough time to mentally prepare, so I actually didn't play my best that game, uh-huh. but. Um, but he came again and like, so little experiences like that, I would say, like, um, kind of, I, I learned to, although like there's things going on outside of the court, like I just learned to like focus what's going on inside the court at that time. And then, um, and then after enjoy everything else that comes with it. Every episode, I always like to ask the guests, you know, what their hopes are for the future and, each guest brings a different answer because they have a different experience, whether they're a coach or a player like yourself. So my question for you, Rebecca, is just what's your hope for the future of the WNBA? Um, my hope for the future is, uh, of the WNBA, I would say that it just continues to keep growing and getting popular, which I think that it is. And um, not only fan wise, but I would say, uh, like organization wise. And I remember we were talking a little bit about like roster expansion and stuff like that. So um, I I think that it just continues to grow so that uh, like I was also, like I said, when I started playing, it was like because of the WNBA and uh, being started and stuff like that. So I think that if it continues to grow, that like little girls will, it'll inspire more little girls to, you know, start playing basketball and have those dreams of growing up to be WNBA players and inspirations to others. So, um, yeah, that's, I would say definitely the growth. That's a beautiful hope and and goal for the future of the WNBA. And I, I would bet my life that there is a little human somewhere watching you play in the WNBA right now saying they want to be just like you. So, Rebecca, I genuinely appreciate your time that you've given to Equal Play, and I will see you guys on the road. I'm about to fly out to Vegas myself. 